0: controlling sugar levels or controlling type 2 diabetes specifically. And I know you've had Uh, really good experiences with this on a tv show and you've managed to reverse type 2 diabetes twice using quite different techniques and i think this is a really good sort of uh, illustration of how multifactorial this condition is because it's not just diet related as as you're you know you're you're very keen to promote
1: aren't you i'm very keen to promote and this is really what my approach is about this is what my my book is about is about that there are multiple factors in our lifestyle that result in our health And I think just as I feel medicine has been overly reductionist for for a number of years now with chronic disease, um, I I think something like type 2 diabetes, we're also often calling it a diet-driven condition. And I have issues over that. I I think diet is a critical factor in the development of type 2 diabetes, but I don't think it's the only thing. And if we were having this conversation, Rupi, five or six years ago, I probably would say, yeah, it's a dietary condition. But my experiences, yes, on Doctor in the House, uh, the, the BBC television series, but also in my clinic, I've realised more and more that actually some people I see with type 2 diabetes, their diet is frankly brilliant, right? Or they have read some blogs. You know, some of them have read some of your blogs or my blog on, you know, trying to get on top of your type 2 diabetes. And they have made the dietary changes and they've hit a plateau. Mm. They're like, well, what's going on? You know, I thought this was it. And I found that when I address their sleep quality Mm. and their stress levels, you can also get improvements in their blood sugar. So... I think if we just go back to the start a minute, you know, type 2 diabetes, I think it's always important to understand what is that condition, yes. right? So I appreciate many of you listeners may already know, but just if we just go back to basics, you know, type 2 diabetes is a condition where we tend to have too much sugar in our blood, very simplistically. And what causes most of these cases to develop is something called insulin resistance. So the way I like to describe insulin resistance is insulin is a hormone in your body. Right, and one of its roles, and it's got many roles. One of its roles is to keep your blood sugar in a tightly controlled range. So, for argument's sake, let's say that's between I don't know five and seven, or you know. Anyway, the the numbers don't matter. But you know, one of the key functions of your body is to keep sugar, your blood sugar, in a tightly controlled range. Too little, and you'll feel a little bit dizzy. You'll be faint. You know, you you just won't feel so good. Uh, And too high, your body doesn't like it, and it can cause problems to all kinds of organs around your body. So. The way I like to describe it is this, if you have a little bit of sugar, let's say, or you have a sugary bowl of cereal, right, and you are insulin sensitive, your body just needs a little bit of insulin to bring your blood sugar back down to normal. So you have the the bowl of cereal, your blood sugar goes up, and your body gets a little bit of insulin to bring the blood sugar back down to normal. That's what should happen, right? But as you get progressively more and more insulin resistant so that hormone doesn't work so well, you need more and more insulin to do the same thing. And the analogy I like to draw is with alcohol. So the very first time, you know, you drink a sip of alcohol, right, for those of you who do drink, um, is that you know, one or two or three sips of wine, right, or a few sips of beer and you're feeling a little bit tipsy, right? But as you become a bit more of a seasoned drinker, let's say, right, (laughs) then you need more and more alcohol to have the same effect. I think most people can kind of resonate with that, that, right? That's what's going on with insulin. That's kind of what's going on behind the scenes with type 2 diabetes. You need more and more insulin to start having that same effect. And, you know, your body's very smart. That insulin will keep going up for years and it will still keep your blood sugar tightly controlled. So you won't have a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes. Everything will be seemingly normal, but everything is not normal. You're moving towards it. And this is another one of my big frustrations with medicine is that the the way we practice is often things are very black or white. You've either got type 2 diabetes or you're normal. And actually, you know, type 2 diabetes often takes 10 years to develop. And actually there are markers now that you can pick up that you're not quite optimal but you're on that path uh, moving towards type
0: 2 diabetes and i i I went through that in detail on my ted talk yes yeah i I was going to say that that lovely graph that you've got about how uh, we tend to intervene in the conventional medicine sense quite late on when the markers demonstrate quite clearly that it's now in the black area not the white area whereas actually like you said diabetes in particular can take that 10 year period to actually Uh, come to fruition. But during that time, there is a lot of opportunity for us to intervene. Yeah, and that would be a
1: great model for the NHS and and, and preventive health is, can we intervene earlier? Because what a lot of people don't realise is that, let's say you've not got type 2 diabetes yet but if your insulin levels are starting to go up right if your body is trying to compensate for the lifestyle factors that are driving you to be insulin resistant right those those prolonged raised insulin levels have been shown to increase our blood pressure uh, increase our weight increase levels of a very harmful kind of cholesterol that we call vldl very low density lipoprotein right so all this stuff is going on in the background even before you get diagnosed as a type 2 diabetes, so one thing that frustrates is people go for their NHS health checks and their blood sugar comes back and then we say, you know, that's normal. Yeah. You know, and for example, let me give you an example. In the UK, right, so one of the tests that we do, one of the blood markers we do is called HbA1c, a, you know, two to three month average of our blood sugar. And roughly speaking, to put it in, in context... If your level is 6.5 or above, or or there and there about, you've got a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes. If it's between 6 and 6.5, we call it pre-diabetes. And then under 6 is regarded as normal, right? But here's the point. I've got colleagues who still will report an HbA1c of 5.9 as normal, right? 5.9 is not normal, right? It's not yet in the pre-diabetic range, although it is in America. In America, actually, their their level starts at 5.7. But we're sending people home saying, everything's okay. And I think we should actually be flagging at that point, saying, hey, look, you don't have pre-diabetes or type two diabetes yet, but it looks as though you're on the road to developing that soon. Can I help you understand what lifestyle factors are going on that you might be able to change to help turn that ship around? I'm really, really passionate that we need to get, I'm passionate on on many levels, Rupi, I'm passionate that lifestyle can help prevent getting sick in the future, but I'm also passionate to say that once you are already sick, lifestyle is a very much underutilized tool to help you get better.